what do you feel like people should focus on at their early days in shipping? Or even if they have just started their education, right? Do you give any general advice or do you always say like you have to find your own journey? You don't, you shouldn't copy me or anyone else in the industry. I think you should stay curious. I think that's the most uh, relevant comment to, uh, to make here and then follow your interest. Uh, and if you're trying to follow in anyone's uh, footprints, uh, you might just end up stumbling. Uh, but, but having said that, of course, uh, you should uh, get inspiration get knowledge get insights from uh, from those that are around and, and you're absolutely right then an extent uh, to, uh, to to giving uh, giving lectures uh, in in say in real life uh, of course at the at the Sinella newsroom every thursday uh, we we also uh, put uh, put uh, ourselves on the line in terms of uh, what do we see in the market and, and in which way is that likely to affect your business? Uh, so we try to be out there in, in podcasts like yours also. Uh, thanks for having me today. And, and of course, also in, in various other, uh, say, conferences around the world. So, so I think uh, having due respect for those people that, uh, that, can, that can bring you insights uh, and, and don't be afraid to ask. Uh, I think I'm, I'm super happy every time around that I get uh, someone uh, asking me uh, a question on, on anything. Peter Sand has many decades in the shipping industry, and today he is the chief analyst in the software company Sanita. In this episode, we discuss what's happening in the container markets today, how the shipping industry will evolve going forward, and Peter's best career advice for the next generation entering the shipping and maritime industry. Let's hear from our sponsors. Quarter is the new way of doing company research. With Quarter, you get frictionless access to conference calls, investor presentations, transcripts, and earnings reports from markets all around the world straight to your pocket. Quarter's mission is to change the way people look at investor relations and create a completely new bridge between companies and stakeholders. Quarter is 100% free, they include companies from 15 markets today and plan to add more over time. They always prioritize requested companies which users can easily do in the app. Users can also leave reactions while listening to the conference calls to make their voice heard. So check out Quarter. Q-U-A-R-T-R. All opinions expressed by Christopher Vonheim or his guests on this podcast are only their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of BIN. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Christophe Volnheim as a specific reason to invest or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. This episode is produced by William Franzen. So if we just go all the way back down the memory lane, if you want, how did your childhood look like? Was it shipping from early age or was it other hobbies and interests taking your time? I think the closest thing I got to shipping in my childhood was my mother's cousin or something like that, doing uh, some uh, tramp shipment out of, uh, out of uh, Bermuda or something like that at that point in time. I guess it must have been for, uh, for, for the Danish liner company Maersk, uh, I guess. Uh, so uh, so that, was, uh, that was the early part of it. Uh, on, uh, besides that, uh, I was very little, uh, say, into, uh, into shipping in my childhood, uh, but taking the ferry from, from one place to, to the other at that point in time. 
How about business in general? Did you have a keen interest in business at all? Or is that also something that comes after education, university, etc.? No, I think in many ways for me working in shipping uh, right now is, uh, is a sort of uh, having the stars aligned. Uh, as a kid, I very uh, much uh, liked geography. I very much liked to, uh, to know more about the world. Uh, later, uh, when, uh, when having my, uh, say, training, uh, becoming a master of economics uh, from the university, I mean, having economics in combination with geography, that's shipping, isn't it? Uh, so, uh, so that was uh, that was supernatural for for me to uh, to to try out uh, the shipping uh, business uh, when uh, when an opportunity arose. Uh, well, almost twenty years ago now. Uh, so, uh, so and ever since then, I mean, it's like Hotel California, I guess. Once you check in, you can never leave. But but if you look at that sort of passion, is it like you want to know the capital in every country? Is it that you want to know how the ocean works? How do you define that passion? Because it can be so much, right? It's a big spectrum. I think I learned something every day in shipping because you're absolutely right. Uh, moving from uh, from the tallest mountains to uh, to the deepest part of the ocean to the capitals of of uh, the uh, the countries of the world. Uh, obviously, uh, my main area of interest have been knowing more about trade lanes uh, over the past uh, couple of decades. Uh, I mean, in in, in dry bulk and, and tankers. It was all about natural resources or agricultural products that was supposed to be shipped from one end to, to, to the other. And container shipping, where uh, I work now with, uh, with Seneda, it's all about, say, understanding the dynamics of global supply chains, how one product will how a product becomes a product, uh, combining many different trade lanes. Uh, and, and in the end, uh, you get a final product, which is shipped uh, to, to, to the market. And it's just so much endless complexity in, in, in those supply chains. So you might say that's so much easier docking, uh, say, or picking coal out of the ground in one place and, and shipping it off to a, a, a thermal coal power plant at, at the other end. That's super simple. But, uh, but in terms of logistics, the complexity is just endless, end to end. I mean, the supply chain is so massive. I'm gonna go into that in in a minute. But just talking about, if you you say you started your career in sort of like the dry bulk space and and maybe the tankers, right? So, do you feel like it's an advantage to have been through as many sectors as possible, or do you feel like you can be the best dry bulk expert in the world and don't really care about anything about containers or do they ever do you need that flexibility and understand the different segments because they're not the same right but you can learn a lot from each of them and combine that knowledge right that's very well put uh, christopher i mean uh, the uh, the ability basically to see the similarities as well as the differences I think is, is key to understanding anything that goes on in, in, in the shipping market uh, from, uh, say, demand to drivers and dynamics to, uh, to geopolitical impacts. Uh, and they all affect in a different way. Uh, but I, I'm a firm believer in the more you know about something, uh, the better you will be also to, uh, say, basically think, uh, think about it and consider where, where is this going. Uh, and I think that's, the, the, say, the key ability for, uh, for, for anyone that covers uh, say a lot of different sectors or one sector only, uh, having uh, an idea of what comes next. What should uh, those that uh, follow you uh, get out of, uh, say, uh, hearing uh, your line of thoughts uh, on what comes next? Uh, be it uh, a, uh, well, currently right now, uh, when we are talking in, in end March, uh, the, uh, the Ukraine-Russia crisis is, of course, uh, one of the things that catch 
everyone's attention and and being able to also share some thoughts on what would the world look like in terms of say disruptions to global logistics if the US were to put sanctions on China uh, for not following uh, the, the the path and the road of, uh, of of Western nations. I mean that's a well it requires big thoughts and there are no straight answers to that. Uh, but uh, but I think the ability to 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 believe and imagine uh, I guess that what was that Albert Einstein saying at some point in time that imagination is more important than knowledge. I believe in a firm combination of those, and uh, and I, I trust basically that if you start perhaps a bit more simple in in, in dry bulk, uh, and then then work your way uh, through uh, various sectors, uh, well, you can only take something away from from that and, and benefit going forward because you also need say that information and, and that knowledge and that insights when you uh, when you meet a lot of great people in in the industry from 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 time to time in various positions and, and they may uh, actually also have moved from one sector to the other so uh, so there's always good stuff to take away from from being say more of a say a generalist or say more of a specialist that's very very well put but if we start broad in the container market how do you summarize it? Because since there's so many factors at play, it's almost like hard to know where to start. But it's the, it's the simplest way to start is just to say that you have an importer, you have an exporter, and something in between needs to happen. But that something in between is massive, and it's so many factors at play at the same time. I think it's important just to uh, to mention a few of uh, of the main actors in the market uh, up front. I mean. Uh, in uh, in container shipping, uh, a lot of focus is of course on on, on the liner business uh, and the the carriers themselves, those that owns the assets that transport the goods. Uh, but uh, but naturally, at as the Netaalki customers are the shippers, those that uh, that basically transport uh, the goods and, and have that say uh, service requirement uh, to, uh, to to the carriers, uh, and and rightly uh, require uh, a very sophisticated logistics basically uh, to carry out uh, their business uh, because the uh, the service provider uh, from uh, from a shipping perspective here uh, is, is is the carriers trying to set up a an also quite complex network that combine all of the, as, as we discussed before, all the various products that goes into one finalized product, because a lot of the things that are moved in containers right now by many shippers on a global scale are intermediaries, uh, that they are semi-finished goods. Uh, so, uh, so you need basically uh, a lot of insights into your own business uh, before you can uh, procure freight like a pro and, and basically have that, say, inside of your own business uh, at, at the benefit also of, of, of the, the carrier, of the liner company that, can then optimize their logistics there. But I think also uh, a freight forwarder is, uh, is doing an excellent job in, in the market right now. And I think basically what, what comes out of two extraordinary years for container shipping right now, I mean, we had 10 years of, uh, say, gearing down uh, towards a different level of globalization. Well, imagine that we just had uh, two years of, uh, of uh, Windfall profits to, uh, to to the carriers, uh, and they are of course seeking to put all of those money into uh, to to great investments. Uh, we saw already uh, towards uh, the end of last year some of that fifty billion US dollars being spent on new ships, uh, but uh, but having profits exceeding a hundred billion in combination. Uh, we certainly uh, see also a, a need for for those uh, carriers to uh, to uh, seize the opportunity that uh, that they uh, are eyeing in the market right now. So uh, so so buying up uh, other logistics providers, uh, adding uh, air cargo also to their offering, becoming more of a one stop shop for uh, global logistics, and and for sure. 
some freight forwarders will feel the squeeze on this. Some small shippers will feel the force of, of being, say, offered one product only. That's the spot market. Uh, whereas uh, some shippers uh, may be able to actually make good use of this opportunity because the way I see it is that there's also an opportunity to take away from the shippers here. If they find out that they are unique or special or particularly strong on, on a few traits, they should, of course, make sure that they become the ship of choice also for the carriers and, and by that uh, still form solid partnerships for, for their business going forward. In addition, of course, to, to other trades where they may find themselves at the mercy of the spot market. Can we also just add on in that analysis how you would separate sort of like the big market trends and you have this like we had this growing in the feeder market, right? So is it also possible to just explain for people who are not that interested in shipping how this dynamic works? Because it seems like many people or some people saw so big opportunities that they actually also set up new routes and also use that as an advantage, right? I think the uh, the carriers of the world constantly optimize their global networks, and so do freight forwarders. Everyone else in in logistics uh, are trying constantly, of course, to solve the problems of their customers. Uh, so during the pandemic and, and during the most recent uh, disruptions uh, from uh, from the Ukraine uh, Russia crisis, uh, and of course also the most recent uh, slew of lockdowns in in China. Everyone is trying to solve the problems. Uh, I mean, from uh, from one perspective, we have never seen such an appallingly low service level uh, by global carriers. Uh, but in all uh, fairness, uh, they have also struggled to uh, to to keep up with, uh, say, uh, struggling uh, hinterland connectivity in main ports and uh, say for truck drivers' licenses. Uh, I mean, COVID licenses. Uh, can they uh, crisscross a country uh, like they used to, or, or are they basically prohibited uh, from uh, from from carrying out the the business that that, that they once did uh, so uh, so in many ways i mean um, the first mile of any say product uh, from end to end is 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 equally important to to the uh, the last mile uh, often um, in businesses you talk about the last mile because that's that's basically uh, happening in in in, uh, in northern america and, and western europe uh, but the first mile in 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 uh, china in far eastern asian uh, manufacturing hubs korea japan of course is at least as important uh, to to, uh, to to make sure that uh, that the goods are moved in and out uh, semi-finished one way finished the other way and, and and then of course to the super efficient ports before they travel around the globe uh, so i think it's also fair to uh, to access that uh, that the, the world have never seen, uh, say, such uh, so many boxes being uh, transported on a global scale. Uh, and that's, of course, why uh, obstacles and, and, and problems also occurred, uh, especially uh, during times of crisis like, like we have seen recently. What do you think is the, the right summary of the situation today? Because obviously now we have a war that is taking a lot of attention, of course, and um, it seems like China is going to keep having this like zero policy for COVID. So that doesn't seem very uh, bullish for, you know, how the ports will operate because it seems very diff- difficult to have ports operating at that scale if one COVID can mean that you have to shut down, right? What's the, what do you think will be the situation going forward? Yeah, you live, you learn, uh, and you do so also in, in, in the Communist Party of China. 
uh, when uh, when comparing the lockdowns we saw in in, uh, in early 2020 in, in in China, the outbreak in Wuhan uh, only yes uh, sorry last year we also saw lockdowns around the port of uh, Yanjing and also moving all the way up to Tianjin just uh, before the uh, Chinese Lunar New Year. I mean they have become better at uh, handling this zero COVID policy and, and basically the implications of that to, to, to the global supply chains. Uh, what we, uh, what we saw recently around Shenzhen uh, was disruptive, but, uh, but, but not to the extent that we saw it uh, in, in the second half of 2021. Um, our expectations at Zanetta is for sure that we will continue to see a, uh, implications uh, from uh, from the zero COVID policy uh, in China uh, for for the rest of the year, perhaps even uh, more than that, uh, as uh, as new COVID strains uh, most likely also uh, will uh, will appear, bringing around more troubles. Especially if you have uh, say uh, a low uh, working vaccine, uh, which is the case in in, in China, uh, I guess I can say. Um, and it, it, it basically uh, gives them reason also to, to stick to the guns they know, uh, and that's zero COVID policy. Uh, obviously, um, they want to make it as smooth as possible. They want to, uh, to be, uh, be sure that, uh, that uh, the world is served with all the goods uh, that they can, uh, they, they can deliver from, uh, from China. But I think going forward, we should expect still uh, stop and go uh, from China. We should expect uh, carriers and shippers, uh, freight forwarders, anyone in logistics to, to be able to draw up new contingency plans at short notice in order to, to handle these various, uh, say, lockdowns and, and, and disruptions. Because... Uh, there will come uh, there will come new ones. Uh, I, I cannot foresee whether that'll be next week or next month or next quarter, uh, but uh, but for sure uh, this uh, this COVID pandemic is is far from over in uh, in a, say a global logistics perspective. If we look at like if you take the lenses of like a ship owner and if you have this like supply chain chain shock that so many people read about, like what's the incentive for ship owners to try to solve that, right? Because if they have been in a market where, you know, the rates have been pretty low, finally they're cashing in so much money and their ships needs payments, right? So maybe it's not so easy for people outside of shipping to understand, but it to really understand the incentives at the different actors is really key to understand what's going to happen in the shipping market, right? Because there's a lot of interest at play at the same time, but it doesn't mean that everyone has the same interest of mind. No, I, I think that's, that's a, you can say, the flip side of the coin for, for the, uh, the liner industry right now, that, that all of a sudden this is, uh, this is mainstream media news. It used to be industry news uh, three years ago when, uh, when the carriers were delivering uh, high schedule reliability at super low cost. Uh, but uh, but around came uh, the ever given blockage of Suez Canal approximately a year ago. Uh, we saw uh, also from from the US uh, in uh, only in January seven point nine percent of inflation, uh, the highest in four decades. And shipping having record high freight rates are of course to blame for this. At least the ignorance would say. Uh, sorry for for putting it out there because obviously higher. Transportation cost is not the core reason behind higher inflation anywhere. But realizing that the, that the spot markets today are ten times higher than they than they once was, of course there is a spillover effect. But uh, but it's it's second for sure, uh, if not third or fourth, to to that of the economic stimulus provided 
left, right, and center to to bring, uh, say, global economies uh, fast away from uh, from the immediate impacts of uh, of COVID. Uh, so, so liner incentives uh, are still for sure uh, to to make sure that uh, that their, their ships are uh, full when they sail. They spent 10 years cutting uh, the unit cost of transporting uh, cargo from, uh, from, from A to B. And that's why you also see that uh, once the, uh, say, freight rates uh, went up uh, in, uh, in the mid of 2020, um, that was instantly finding its way to, to, to the very, uh, say, bottom line of, of any one of these, these liners. Naturally, two years uh, into the pandemic plus, you might say, uh, the price also of, uh, say, higher, uh, say, chartering in new ships uh, have, of course, uh, gone up. Uh, we see uh, super high charter rates uh, also being paid by, by global carriers. So, so it, it dents, of course, a, a bit of the profits, also distributing some to, uh, to those that are uh, pure tonnage providers uh, in the world, those that were on the brink of bankruptcy. Uh, only two years ago, when uh, when when they saw their market completely evaporate in in, in front of them, uh, but let's for, uh, say fast forward to 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 what are on the minds of the carriers right now. I mean, the customers are on the minds of their carriers, um, and and they of course need also to make quite a significant uh, business decision. Uh, should we focus only on the ocean part of shipping? Should we also offer our clients say more integrated logistics, uh, like becoming a full service provider? It's a split decision in the industry. Uh, how would you like to spend your money? And it, of course, also originates from the fact that this is a very competitive market, but it's also a competitive market where state-owned entities are fighting privately held uh, entities. Uh, so there are no straightforward solutions on what to do with the, with the, with the, any, say, liner company out there. But I think it's fair to say that they would all like to bring on board the must-have clients uh, so the biggest shippers of the world right now uh, must feel in a special place, even though it is a seller's market in terms of the freight rates. They are also capable of, uh, say, uh, bringing demands to the negotiation table when the carriers flock around their many boxes that they would like to, 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 to add onto their services uh, so, uh, so they can still benefit from, uh, from selling that extra space to the smaller customers in the spot market. So um, it's complex and, and yet so simple. Super interesting. I just also wanted to ask you about the, uh, if, if we take the consolidation piece, right, it seems like in containers, let's keep it simple, that it seems like the market is going in a direction where it seems like you only need four companies in the world in containers, in the big containers, right? So can you just explain the dynamics of why we have three, four companies that are bigger than everyone else? Because in some industries, you don't get that, while in other industries, you get that consolidation for many different reasons, right? So, but is, is this going to play out that you only need Mashk and two other companies and that's enough? Or should it be more spread evenly? I think uh, container shipping is for sure the most consolidated of, of any shipping sector. Uh, but having said that, they are still in fierce competition. I know that uh, that there is an argument, of course, whether that uh, is uh, is not the case, since they are, uh, say, uh, a block exempted in Europe uh, from uh, from uh, the normal competition authority. 
uh, and and rules so so they can uh, they can basically act you cannot say they can act as one uh, they still act individually but they operate under various alliances uh, you may know the three main alliances of, of the world uh, that, uh, that that basically covers more than 80 percent of uh, of, uh, of the goods being transported but they are uh, made up uh, by by more than 10 different companies uh, pooling their you can say their offered services but making use of their various uh, ships on those services. It's very much like you and I buying a ticket uh, around the world, for instance, uh, on uh, on an airplane. Uh, it's easy for you as a, as a customer to, uh, to to get around because the uh, company that you uh, initially uh, get in touch with do have partners that they work with to bring you around the globe, and it's exactly the same thing. So uh, so if we were to see uh, a world without the alliances, and I think uh, well, the risk is always there. Uh, the um, especially the American politicians uh, are heavily impacted now by by some uh, Shiba's uh, lobby uh, organizations that have cried foul over, especially the lack of uh, say exportabilities from America. Uh, so so there is a uh, a probe into uh, to uh, the uh, say uh, the abuse of market power by the alliance serving us right now and i think that's the most say critical regulatory risk for 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 the carriers uh, but from from a from a shipper perspective i don't think they exactly uh, feel the same as uh, as uh, as the regulators in in this case they just want say the best possible service at the right price um, and uh, and be it a very consolidated industry be it uh, one that uh, is you cannot say. I think control is like a like a legal term for competition authorities, but but they operate within three alliances, and then we have a lot of say special uh, say extra independent companies that also operate. And I think it's actually, if I may bring around the example of the Trans Pacific Trade Lane right now, where the uh, the lion's share of American imports basically uh, come from. Uh, there's an equal share of independent providers of of of, uh, of liner services on the Trans-Pacific, uh, as as there is to to the alliances uh, on on that trade, and that has of course uh, been uh, been uh, uh, say it has come around due to uh, to the spectacular demand in to uh, to to US one that that the uh, the, the big alliances basically. Uh, uh, could not uh, say satisfy so so there's plenty of room uh, for those uh, independent operators also uh, so uh, so I think you uh, you um, you must be uh, also wise enough to understand what is it that the uh, the alliances uh, bring around what is it that consolidated companies bring around uh, but but getting back to it I guess where you started Christian uh, Christopher uh, can uh, can can we see only three mega companies uh, service the world no we cannot uh, they they all hold their say special part of the world as their uh, area of expertise and they need global partners to deliver a, a service uh, offering uh, to to global shippers also uh, and and they uh, there are no other uh, say uh, good alternatives in, in in my view to to the alliances that you see right now if uh, if you are to expect a top-notch service system uh, great uh, hopefully also soon for the shippers lower freight rates of course uh, but uh, but 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 go to places that uh, that are easy to use uh, because in all fairness global logistics are set up to uh, connect a seller in one end of the world and a buyer in another end of the world in a seamlessly 
fashion as possible. So, uh, so be careful what you do in the regulators uh, uh, part of the field here. Uh, make sure that uh, that, uh, that those businesses that require uh, the, uh, the ability to trade on a global scale can do so uh, as easy as possible. Very, very good answer. Um, I'm just thinking, since you talk so much to clients and key stakeholders, what are the questions you find hardest to answer right now? Is it all about the war or is it something else that is very, very hard to answer when people ask you about them? Uh, let me give you an example from uh, from my previous uh, career, also working with with tankers, uh, and uh, and I think it's uh, it's 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 great, and it's also uh, proof to me that uh, that uh, the world of shipping may be the world's biggest yet invisible industry. So so people basically come to 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 me and to to us uh, with questions that. I thought they knew the answer to themselves, uh, but uh, but due to of course uh, the fact that uh, when if you operate uh, say a small chemical uh, tanker in uh, one part of the world, uh, you do not talk to your competitors. Uh, you keep your cards close to uh, to yourself, and and you uh, you, you try to, uh, to to grab whatever demand is around. Uh, in container shipping, it's uh, it's same same but but different. Uh, but of course, if you're shipping, say, refrigerated cargoes out of out of Europe, well, you need to know also uh, about uh, the dynamics in in uh, in the greater uh, chains of logistics because there may be a shortage of of uh, say temperature control boxes out of out of Europe due to uh, to to a delayed season of uh, of uh, say uh, perished uh, perishable goods. Uh, or other goods transported also in temperature-controlled uh, reefers uh, from uh, from South America, for instance, into Europe. So it's all connected, and I think that's that's where we at, at Center Market Analysis can can benefit also the clients that we see things from a say uh, from a helicopter from a satellite view more than the the operational perspective on the ground. Uh, so the combination of uh, of working closely with our uh, customers and, and stakeholders in the industry. Industry, um, we try to combine the dots uh, and and see those various aspects uh, in, in in combination and in the wider picture. Uh, so uh, so of course that is one of the the big questions and and one of the other questions of course relates to is it possible to get cargo in and out of Russia? I mean uh, it's. It's been it's been tricky uh, to 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 follow just the pace of sanctions. Uh, what uh, what could I as a, as a shipper do? In which way do the liner companies uh, react? And if I were to ship uh, any good uh, goods into to Russia, how would I get a, get around that? Uh, would that be illegal per se, or or would it not? Uh, so uh, so I think working in a global business with a lot of politics also impacting from time to time, and and if you are in breach of, say, U.S. secondary sanctions, that could be super harmful to you as a company working uh, on a global scale, uh, because that may, say, uh, say, bring you out of business with uh, with American uh, customers, and, and of course, you cannot do that in uh, in a world of global liner shipping. If we look at the, the new tech innovations and software, I mean, you have a company like Flexport, which obviously get a lot of media attention, and you have Seneta, which you are representing. How would you describe this new industry about analyzing, maybe bringing more transparency, more data into the industry? Because to your point uh, just recently, maybe, maybe some 
people who own a ship like to hide their cards. Maybe they feel like they're playing poker back and forth in terms of the price, etc. Is this like a massive shift over the 10 years that you get companies who try to bring transparency to the space? And, and how would you just summarize this maybe new industry that is built on top on like the hard assets, right? Because there's, there's a lot of software projects going on. Why we do uh, things, uh, well, where we do operate in, in quite different parts of, the, of, of that world. I mean, uh, Flexport being a digital freight forwarder and Seneta uh, being all about uh, container uh, shipping uh, freight rates and, and air cargo insights. I mean, what we, what we strive to do, I guess, both of us, is to bring transparency into a notoriously uh, intransparent industry. Uh, so, so obviously, uh, in the early days of Senera, I mean, we're celebrating our 10th anniversary this year. So it's been quite a ride over over the past decade. Uh, but, but obviously, from 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 the start of it, people were were instantly skeptical, saying, "How can you how can you do this? Nobody will uh, will 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 give you any data. Nobody will uh, will 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 like what you do uh, because you disrupt status quo in the market." I guess that was really jet fuel on 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 the fire of our founders that they wanted to uh, to 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 prove them wrong, uh, and and instantly that was a, that was a a success. Of course, building the company that we have today uh, is, uh, is is it's a quite different stage where we are right now than than where we were when we when we started, uh, but but. We're basically all about crowdsourcing that information from from all of our customers, and 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 so they see the benefit of contributing to uh, to 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 our aim of making it more transparent. Uh, because if you were to uh, say, I mean, you you literally you cannot do it yourself. You can get uh, bits and pieces from uh, from from various uh, other places. I guess many uh, know the uh, Shanghai Shipping Exchange. But that's all about, uh, say, exports out of China. I mean, it may be the lion's share of the business, but there are so many other port pairs. Uh, Seneta have 160,000 port pairs on a global scale. So there's business to, to, to be handled in, in many other places. And I guess adding to this transparency can only benefit uh, not only the, uh, the customers that, uh, that buy the transportation services, but in the end also consumers like, like you and I, if they're capable of procuring uh, their freight uh, to, uh, to, to a much better uh, level, I mean, that will, that will of course, contribute also to, uh, to, to more globalization, to, to, to lower cost uh, for, for the end products, uh, et cetera, uh, even though uh, we discussed inflation just before. I mean, uh, it's, uh, it's what, what you get from globalization is uh, it's a better product. It's a, it's a wider selection uh, and it's, it's more choices. Uh, in in uh, in in terms of where you can uh, where you can make your product, uh, so um, so I think the quality of what we uh, what we have here today is second to none. What's the most uh, What's the hardest data to collect? Is there some data sets that are very very hard to capture, or is it just like a snowball effect? So once you have enough, it's easier to get the next one. It's a very good question uh, to 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 be honest. Uh, uh, also, uh, because of course, what we have 
is uh, is not information from uh, from from the carriers. So we do not uh, push uh, whatever rate sheets they uh, they may have on their spot platforms. What we bring is uh, is deals done. Uh, so our data is as strong as uh, as the one uh, as what we get from customers. So if we are seeking, for instance, going into a, a very new market, obviously we 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 are a little bit in in a, in a chicken and egg situation. Uh, we need someone delivering uh, also. So insights and, and data on uh, on uh, say uh, freight trade lanes in and out of that place, uh, but uh, but also in order to get the customers in that place, uh, we need something special uh, to to offer them up front. Uh, so, uh, but but. That's what we do. I mean, we we, we started also uh, with a with a keen focus uh, uh, around a few shippers uh, in and out of Oslo, uh, and and now we are all over the world. Uh, right now, with a keen focus also on getting some uh, some access into to the big Asian market, uh, because also there are some tons of shippers out there. And I guess I mean uh, we grow with our customers. So uh, so so the more people can contribute, uh, the better the overall product and offering also gets. Uh, so uh, so I can only encourage, uh, say, uh, those uh, that, uh, that perhaps do business in, in parts of the world that we do not necessarily cover uh, to, to the extent that we cover in other parts of the world, a little bit of patience, and and then I guess uh, it it all proves nicely in, in the end uh, when uh, when we uh, when we get together and bring that transparency around benefiting everyone in the industry. Sounds perfect. Have you seen anything you love in sort of the the decarbonization concept or project that's going on? Because whoever you talk to seems like they are a bit uncertain, and some people are very bullish on some technology. But to be honest, like it seems like a very hard puzzle to crack which technology should be used, right? Do you see anything you feel very strongly about or do you also feel like it's about experimentation and maybe also just heavy regulation and like force people to make decisions? I think there are two aspects of this. Of course, um, who should focus mostly on cutting carbon emission? That must, of course, be the owners and operators, full stop. Uh, and they can do so in, in in various ways. I think it's fair to uh, to assess that uh, that uh, that either you make use of fossil fuels or you do not. Uh, but uh, but economies of scale, of course, works super well in uh, in container shipping. The cup, the say the individual carbon footprint on each box, is just so much better on a big ship. Uh, because of course you you burn more fuel on a big ship, but if you can uh, say add four times as many boxes, say that's the uh, the ratio that you should be looking out for. Um, at at Zeneta, what we try to do is of course also uh, to to bring around say actionable insights for our customers with a uh, a transparency product into that of carbon uh, emissions uh, from uh, from uh, from the carriers, and and naturally uh, our focus is is not on the performance of the individual ship, uh, like like for instance the ship owner would 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 be, uh, but uh, or would have, uh, but of course uh, finding out who delivers the uh, say uh, the best numbers on on any given trade lane. Uh, so if you are a shipper uh, focusing on, uh, for instance, goods from, from Asia to, to South America, you should be able to uh, compare across the board uh, in, uh, in uh, of course, uh, with, with a clear methodology that uh, that uh, carrier A is, uh, is, is better on the, uh, on the carbon emissions as compared to carrier B or C, uh, for instance. 
so, so that product we uh, we we're about to launch later in the year, and I think that will definitely push something special into an industry that's very, say, focused on the assets. Uh, I mean, if we are to uh, to bring a product to the market where global shippers, and I guess the drive comes from customers, and it comes from the global shippers serving those customers. So obviously, at some point in time, we need, and I think that point in time comes faster than anyone can expect now we need to be able to compare apples with apples here we need to uh, to to see uh, say uh, uh, what kind of carbon footprint you you get from uh, from the individual services and trust me it's super complex to do uh, but uh, but uh, but we're doing all we can right now and and I'm, uh, I'm looking very much forward to uh, to the product launch of that later in the year uh, because i think it will uh, it will look quite different from what you see in the market from other offerings. And, and it, it will still also bring the incentive to where uh, it should be. And basically looping me uh, back to, to where we started on, uh, on, on who should uh, drive emissions down. Owners and operators make the investments needed to, uh, to, to bring around not only uh, ammonia fuel ships or, 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 or methanol uh, fuel ships, uh, but, but finding out ways to, to constantly, as I say, decarbonize uh, the industry. It may be tricky to, uh, to completely bring it down to an absolute zero, uh, but, uh, but if, we can, uh, if we can continue uh, down uh, the, um, the trail of, uh, of lower uh, emissions uh, per unit uh, every time, I think we're, we're doing a super good job uh, in, in global logistics. Makes sense. If you just take another aspect of innovation, there's been so much hype regarding, you know, self-driving cars. And of course, that's super dangerous because you have to to make a softer decision. Should you hit this cat or should you hit this child, right? So so, so many complex issues you have to, to take on. And the same in airlines, right? I don't think people would love to have an AI uh, bot fly them over the world, right? But in shipping, it seems like maybe that's the most easiest scenario to imagine that you don't really need people on board vessels because maybe containers don't have feelings, right? Maybe they don't don't bother if who's who's taking them uh, over the the ocean. So, do you feel like shipping is the one industry that you can see almost like self, like just a software service taking them back and forth? Well, the containers themselves may not have feelings, uh, but I guess the, uh, the the shippers with cargo on board uh, surely uh, feel the need for for having uh, uh, the best possible transportation done uh, when uh, when the value of the ship and the cargo exceeds four or five billion US uh, for for just one of the big ships, uh, and and whether the best solution is to have uh, like a uh, a uh, fully autonomous uh, ship uh, transporting uh, your goods from A to B, or that uh, a, uh, a well-trained captain and his crew is is the best one. Um, I think we will see, uh, say, more uh, digital assistance to uh, to to the global logistics uh, going forward. Uh, I still think we are some way from from having, uh, say, fully autonomous ships on on main trades. Uh, having said that, uh, we 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 have one, and uh, well, I'm not in Norway right now. You're from Norway, but I guess we have uh, we have uh, hydro uh, setting up that. Uh, 
Yarapiegelan uh, vessel, which is uh, which is a fully autonomous one to to the extent of my knowledge. Uh, so 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 it is capable. The American Army, uh, the American Navy have uh, have been doing that for 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 ages, and I guess we know all about drones. So the technology is there. Uh, but uh, but right now, from a regulatory perspective, the IMO is looking into what needs to change in order to progress this uh, going forward, because there is something to take away from this, not necessarily in terms of uh, bringing down cost, which is often the driver behind implementing uh, new technology, because uh, the, the crew on board the, the ships are not the most expensive part of, uh, of uh, the, uh, the voyage. That's still the bunk of fuels and, uh, and, and the price of, uh, of oil. Uh, so I guess uh, most of the technology-driven initiatives should focus on on bringing down uh, the bulk of fuel uh, consumption uh, and, of course, also the emissions. And then later, perhaps, uh, find out where should we set up, say, smart logistics, where we integrate uh, fully autonomous ships uh, that, uh, that basically just dock themselves and, uh, and super smart uh, containers that also find their own way uh, from uh, from where they are produced and, and, and filled uh, to, to where they, uh, they they see their end uh, destination at a, at a warehouse in Spain, for instance. Um, so uh, a lot of interesting uh, initiatives. I tend to follow those as, as much as I can because I think it's it's super interesting. Uh, but uh, but it's also I mean, we're, we're still many years away uh, from having a, a fully autonomous fleet uh, serving uh, global needs uh, in in the line of shipping industry. Perfect summary. So I just have one topic left, and that's more in towards you know making a career in shipping because many people who are tuning into this show are sort of at the start of their careers. And I also know that you give a lot of lectures in Denmark talking about your knowledge or expertise. So. What do, you, what do you feel like people should focus on at their early days in shipping? Or even if they have just started their education, right? Do you give any general advice or do you always say like you have to find your own journey? You, don't, you shouldn't copy me or anyone else in the industry. I think you should stay curious. I think that's the most uh, relevant comment to, uh, to make here. And then follow your interest. Uh, and if you're trying to follow in anyone's uh, footprints, uh, you might just end up stumbling. Uh, but but having said that, of course, uh, you should uh, get inspiration, get knowledge, get insights from uh, from those that are around. And, and you're absolutely right. Then, an extent to to uh, to, to giving uh, giving lectures uh, in in say in real life. Uh, of course, at the at the Sinera newsroom every Thursday, uh, we we also uh, put. Uh, put uh, ourselves on the line in terms of uh, what do we see in the market and, and in which way is that likely to affect your business. Uh, so we try to be out there in, in podcasts like yours also. Uh, thanks for having me today. And, and of course, also in, in various other, uh, say, conferences around the world. So, so I think uh, having due respect for those people that uh, that can that can bring you insights uh, and and don't be afraid to ask. Uh, I think I'm I'm super happy every time around that I get uh, someone uh, asking me uh, a question on on anything, and and you should not be uh, afraid to 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 ask because uh, I mean you learn something new every day. So so if but and you must of course establish your own knowledge with uh, with a, a decent uh, insight into the fundamentals. Uh, so uh, so I guess that would be my my uh, my word of advice for for a starter. Please do learn about the uh, uh, the fundamentals of the market. Know how those dynamics work. Uh, do not expect to understand all the dynamics of the market you see right now from uh, from 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 week two of, of your working life in shipping, because what we 
often discuss also in a, in a podcast like this one and in, in, in many different, uh, say, events, webinars, uh, uh, podcast aspects of, uh, of, of life, is, is the advanced level. That's basically where we built on top of a lot of knowledge in order to hopefully uh, see through the, the, the mist and the darkness and, and, and give an idea of where we uh, may be heading next. Uh, so I think stay curious, uh, stay humble, uh, but don't be afraid to have your uh, your own uh, opinion. But uh, but be sure that uh, you have underpinned that opinion with uh, with a solid insight into the uh, fundamental dynamics, because at the end of the day, those rule the world too. That's a great summary. And also just to add on that argument, I think it's so important when you emphasize interest, right? Because shipping is like a 24-7 industry and it's so dynamic. So if you don't have an interest for it, you will likely don't manage to you know, be in the industry for 20 years because there's always something new happening and you need to add that on as well, right? So I don't think it's just about learning a playbook and accept that playbook to stay the same forever, right? It changes so much. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's uh, it's not like I uh, say switch off the conveyor belt when I uh, when I leave uh, for, uh, for for my home, uh, say at, at four o'clock in the afternoon. No, there's there's always something going on that affects global logistics uh, 24-7, 365. So so the trick, of course, also uh, further down the line of your career is to know which factors affect the market the most. And which say dynamics or factors that 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 may uh, catch a lot of attention have little or, or or no meaning or impact at all to uh, to 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 that of shipping, for instance, because that can also be the case. And only when you have that uh, say uh, insight into what matters and what 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 doesn't matter, you're also capable of of, of getting a, a good night out and a good night's sleep. Uh, knowing that uh, that you can you can catch up tomorrow. Uh, there's uh, you should not have fear of missing out. Uh, but you should just uh, stay curious, uh, stay interested, and uh, and uh, yeah, and then uh, just uh, well, welcome to the shipping industry if if you want to join it uh, because I think it's super fun. That's a perfect ending, Peter. Thank you so much for taking the time. It was a pleasure having you on. Thanks for having me, Christopher, and uh, thank you all for uh, for listening in uh, and for for viewing this podcast. I hope you uh, you enjoyed it. Take care. If you like this episode and the content we create, please make sure to check out our newsletter called The Bin Letter. More information is in the show notes. If you want to watch this episode as well, please head over to our YouTube channel and make sure to subscribe to the channel. This episode was produced by William Fransen.